0: Hey, we are in Luke. Congratulations, we just landed on Luke chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we need to grab a Bible today. There, there's some over on the lamps so over to your left and behind you. Luke chapter 14 is, is where we're picking up. And now, this is exciting stuff. I, I like this passage. Not, not that I didn't like the, the stuff before, I mean, 13 was good but I felt like Jesus got really, really angry <laughs> in chapter 13, and rightfully so. We, we land into chapter 14, and what we're seeing is some passages that I, that I really enjoy teaching through. Um, and, and this week, honestly, have been really, um, personally to me, been, been challenging and exciting and encouraging. I, I know uh, a couple of you have been reading ahead, and I hope that you're excited for today, just like I am. So let's go ahead. I'm reading out of NIV chapter 14 of Luke. Uh, We're going to cover 11 verses today. So here it is. Luke chapter 14, verse 1. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Some of you have that as well, but in, in good places, you're cross that's good. But I don't think that this is crossfit good, like this is bad, right? Verse 3, Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child... By the way, other versions say donkey, and I think that's pretty funny. Like child, donkey. Um, if, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. Verse 7, when he noticed how the, guests picked up the pla- uh, how the guests picked the place of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up here to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. Verse 11, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. If you look at, at Luke chapter 14, it's a lot of parables. And Jesus is going through and he's teaching these parables. And, and I looked at it thinking, in fact, Grandpa and I, as, as we were studying for this week and what to talk about, we took the verse, the first five verses. And we're like, that's all we're going to talk about today, these first five verses. But, but the story of the table and what's happening is such a long story that you can break it up in, in multiple areas. And I, I love how we're breaking it up today. Because what we're doing is we're taking the first part, which is a story, and it's about the donkey and it's about the Sabbath. And then we're, we're weaving it into the story of what it means to be at the table and, and eating and the, the place of honor, those verses that we just read through. Uh, but I, I want us to pick this apart just a little bit. And then we'll, then we'll kind of do a big picture view of this. So as we're picking it apart in verse 1, Well, one Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. Carefully watched. Do you know that as Christians, the world is watching you carefully? Do you know that if if we are bold enough to say that we have a life if following Jesus Christ that's worth dying for, and we have the answer for a place that's dark and hopeless, if we say that we are a light, anyone that's not part of that light will be watching very carefully. How does that sit with you? Are we in, in, are we in a glass house? Are people watching us continually? I hope so. I hope so. I have found, I am here sitting on this stool that might break at any moment, I have found that everything in scripture is true. I, Aaron Havens, have found that there is no other life than Jesus Christ. I have found that he is the hope of the world. I have found that Jesus is the light. I have found that Jesus loves me. I'm not talking about you. I found that Jesus loves me and has given up everything for me. That my sin and my wrongdoing and my evil thoughts and my actions that I've ever committed in life was enough to cause me to live in hell for the rest of eternity. Yet Jesus comes along in Aaron Haven's life and he says, I love you so much that I am gonna ascend my only son. He's gonna live a perfect life and he's gonna die on a cross and he's gonna defeat death and that blood is gonna cover all your wrongdoing so you can have hope. In a world that has no hope, so that you can speak light to people that are dying. Christians, it's obvious. If we have the light of God in us, people are watching us everywhere that we go. And so that means some of you may need to take your church project stickers off the back of your cars. (laughs) I'm joking. How minute is that? We laugh about that. But isn't this the case? Like, we act like Christians when we're in here. How are you, brother? Oh, I'm good. (laughs) But what are we going to do an hour and a half from now when someone cuts us off or we're inconvenienced or the world's not meeting our comfort standards or whatever it may be? Do we act the same in here and around brothers and sisters and house church as we do anywhere else in the world? We should. We're being watched. Jesus, it says here in verse 1, he was carefully being watched by these Pharisees. Remember, if you, if you want to read the backstory here, these Pharisees are looking for a way to just point at Jesus' faults. Like they're looking for a way to catch him. They're looking for a way to trap this man. So they're carefully watching him. Is he going to cross every T and dot every I? Is he going to do everything right? Because if not, we're going to pounce on him. Like we're going to kill him. Like this is it. We got him. Hey, Christians, here's the deal. In a world where there's so many different religions, people are looking at us saying, I want something to believe in. I want something that's true. I've been lied. I've been, I've been uh, told all these lies my entire life. Is Christianity true? And we're little disciples running around, showing people, living this life. I hope that we know we are being watched carefully. And I hope that we are so in love with God that we are here to serve other people. I want to, 1 Peter uh, 2.12, 1 Peter 2.12, I want to read this, if you want to flip over there you can, if not, this is what 1 Peter 2.12 says, it says, live such good lives among the pagans, people that don't know who God is, live such good lives among the pagans, Though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. What is this saying? It's saying live such good lives that people that don't even know who God is, when they're looking at your life, they're saying there's something different about this man. There's something different about this woman because the way that she moves, the the way that she smiles, the way that he articulates this love that's in him, something is different about them. As Christians, we are a new creation and people are watching us. Uh, something is different inside us. It's called God. It's called the Holy Spirit. And that's exciting to me. Are we living these lives, walking around, looking for opportunities to show people God's love? Um, so here we go. I mean, Satan in my life has set traps for me many times. And um, you can probably think of traps that Satan has tried to set for you. How about, how about that junior high bus trip, you know, football team, you know, when they bring out the inappropriate literature, if you know what I'm saying? All these all these traps that, that Satan has has placed in my way and saying, will they fall into this? Will, will they give in to this? Because Satan wants to kill, still and destroy you, and he knows that if he can get you off base just a little bit, just one degree right now, you know what that means? Five years from now, a month from now, our trajectory is far from God. And we are going a life and we're living a life that's far from God. Christians, be on your guard. The Pharisees, well, that's not fair to the Pharisees. Satan wants to take you out. He wants to set a trap and he wants you to walk into it. And when you're caught and when you're bleeding, Satan will laugh at you because he's won. Christians, we're, we're being watched carefully by a world that's looking for something to believe in. Let's give them something to believe in. Let's love God. Each and every one of us. Let's love God passionately. Let's wake up and the first lips out of our words is, God, thank you for my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. And may that also be the last thought in our mind before we go to bed. There's a lot of people smiling. Did I say something wrong? <laughs> what did I say? What? What? The first, first lips out of my words. Lips out of words, words out of lips. I'm dyslexic, but that's okay. For any of you it's dyslexic, you know exactly what I was saying. The rest of you are smiling. So you got it, right? You understood? You understood? Jesus models a life that is ready to meet the needs of people at any point. He's modeling a life for us. And he's ready to meet the needs of people at any point. Regardless of whether he's at this fancy dinner, he's walking down the road, wherever he's at, he's willing and able to meet needs of people wherever he goes. Christians, are we so driven by our schedules and to-do lists that when we come across somebody that needs the love of God, we say, oh, I'm sorry. I got to get this letter in the mail as fast as I can. Christians, maybe what we need to do is slow down a little bit. Maybe what we need to do is, is protect our schedules a little more. Maybe what we need to do is have the reality, that the attitude that we are here to show people the love of God at any point, at any time, no matter the cost. Then a world will look around us and say, that's something to believe in. That's real, and that's good. Jesus models this for us right here. So let's, let's continue on. Wow, that was just first one. Um, this, this will actually be a shorter message, by the way. Jason, don't laugh at me. It's true. Okay, let, let's go to verse two. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of the body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on a Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out and they had, again, nothing to say. They're, they're trying to, to get Jesus in a trap. And I think one of the most brilliant things you can say as an intellect is ask a brilliant question, right? Jesus asks two brilliant questions. It's questions that they can't even answer. They were speechless. In verse 4, they remained silent. Why? Because they felt stupid. And what about in verse 5? In in verse 6, I mean, they had what? Nothing to say. Jesus had made a point and he said, okay, here here it is. You have such a hard heart. It's hard to break through your hard heart. Like these Pharisees, they're so stuck in tradition right now that they're actually saying something that is almost a joke. Like anyone Okay, so what you're saying, Pharisees, this is what Jesus is saying. What what you're saying, Pharisees, by the way, this is my translation. What you're saying, Pharisees, is this. Let let me get this straight. You're saying I can't heal this man who may die at any moment because he's abnormally large and infected or whatever it is because that would be called work and I'm not supposed to work on Sabbath. But you, you in, in your mishnah, and your rules and your regulations say that if my ox falls in a well, I can go and do whatever I want to get him out because he may die. Is that what you're saying? I just want, I just want to clarify this. <laughs> and the Pharisees are like, <laughs> because they knew. It's illogical. It's stupid. They're, they're so stuck in their traditions that they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're, they're so stuck in it, and they're not seeing why Jesus is here, because it makes no sense that we'll let an ox live, but we'll let a man die. It makes no sense, and Jesus knows this, and, and he talks about this. <laughs> so the Pharisees in, in their Mishnah, in, in the Shabbat, in 18, in verse 3, it talks specifically about this. And, and it talks about how you can go and you can get your ox out. So Jesus is just posing the question, according to your rules and traditions, Pharisees, if you can't do that, then why can't I heal a man who's so much more important than an animal? I was listening to a TED Talk. Any of you like TED Talks? I was, I was listening to a TED Talk, and, and one of the things it talked about, it said, you know, countries that just don't have a lot of wealth, what do they do? They eat their animals. Make sense? You know? But the countries that begin to have more wealth, they turn their animals into pets. And not only that, they turn them into, like, spoiled pets. Like, I I love my mom, and I love my mom's dog, but that's a spoiled brat dog. Like, this little thing, it gets, like, $100 haircuts and teeth, you know, all this, like, that dog is spoiled. I know you guys have dogs like that, too, right, you know? This is a dog. This is an animal. It does not have a soul. If you're a kid, please plug your ears. I'm not sure that dogs go to heaven. Like, here it is. Humans are more important than animals. And the Pharisees, at this point, they look up and go, Ha! You're right. Dang it. They're trying to get him in a trap. And Jesus is so in love with people that he's like, okay, I'll play these little games with you. You cannot trap me in this because you're living by the law. You're living by something that's broken. Like what you're trying to do is you're trying to, uh, we gave you the Sabbath. The Sabbath was given as a day of rest and, and you are, you put so many rules in it that you're missing the whole point and that's spending time with me. And Jesus is sitting right there in front of everyone. And he's saying, I, I, I'm here and we're going to love people. Is that okay? Is that okay? Church, I want to know this. Are you so driven by your rules, by your traditions, by your schedule that you miss ministry that, that's right in front of you? I am. I, I get so busy, and my priorities get shifted so easily. And so I pray this for us this week. I'm sorry. Don't send me bad texts if this happens to you. I pray that your schedule gets messed up this week. And lives get messed up too. Yeah. Yeah. How many of us are missing God because we're doing things that we've just always done out of tradition? And you know, we say things like, "God can't work this way," or, "You know, He has never worked this way in my life." And we put limits on God, and we put God in a box, and just think about these people right at this time when they're when they're told when Jesus is talking. Christianity, I think this is really cool. I think Christianity is, is one of those things that's based off of God can do anything that he wants. Like, look at this. He's about to go die on a cross and and, and be. he's about to raise from the dead and defeat death. Do you think that's normal? Not in that time. Yeah. Anyone know anyone that's done that? Personally, today, right now? That's not normal. God can do stuff that's out of the box, abnormal, that's what, he, that's what he can do. And yet we sometimes say, I'm sorry, tradition says, God, you can't move in that way. And instead of following God with our own heart, we honestly, we begin to serve man and man's tradition more than God and God in the Bible, how he can move. See, God does things, uh, missing God is doing uh, because we think that we know how he will act. Are we missing God because we think we know how he will act? There's some things that happened in our life, and last week, David did a great job of just pointing pictures and, and giving us a great narrative about women in the Bible who their lives weren't exactly, let's say, exactly the way that they thought they were going to be lived. Mary being one of them, Jesus' mother. Any of us that have, that have lived a life to this point, I guarantee there's been points in our life where something has happened and we don't know what God's going to do in it or through it or what it's going to accomplish. Here's a good example for me. Why did I learn to operate big equipment while I lived in the mountains and build roads and do all this cool stuff? I had no idea why I learned to do that. Oh, oh yeah, until years later when I lived in Mexico and there was a backhoe that was broken and no one knew how to operate it. And I'm like, I can do this. It's funny, isn't it? Is there anything in our past that, that's wasted? Not if everything in our life asks and begs the question, how do I glorify God in my relationship to this? I mean, that should be one of the foundation questions we ask ourselves every day. How do I bring God glory in my relationship to and just fill in the blank with every, whatever you want? Operating big equipment, food, exercise, sleep, whatever it may be, our whole life should beg the question, how do we glorify God in this. And when our eyes are open, we can see and God can use us to see life change from the people around us. Is that exciting to you? Does that do cool stuff to you? The story of Christianity started by mind-blowing stuff. Jesus defeated death That's incredible. Thank God. That's the thing that separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. And so, people, I have to believe that even the minutest things that happens in our life can point to Jesus if we allow it to. So here we see the Pharisees. They're getting all caught up. And and Jesus basically says, you've missed the point. Your tradition is killing the life that should be inside you. Then, uh, to transition to the next part, the next parable, and this next part's a lot quicker, by the way, okay? I want to read Philippians 2, 5 through 11. And if you can, turn your Bible, turn in your Bible to that, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. This is one of those things in, in the Bible called the Christ hymn, and it just is a beautiful hymn of who Jesus is. And, and I've been reading this for months now and, and just kind of contemplating it, but think about this. Let, let these verses just beg the question to you, who is Jesus? Philippians 2, 5-11 through says this. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used in his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, but humbled himself, by becoming obedient to death even on a cross. By the way, which is the center point of this whole Christ hymn right here. Verse nine, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledging that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I say, thank you. Thank you, God, that you humbled yourself even to the point of death on a cross. Thank you, Jesus, that you willingly said, God, use me no matter what it is, no matter what the circumstances, because I will go to my grave. I will die for this. I believe in this. This is is your will for man, that I will die for man so that we, in 2014, can have hope. Yet, sometimes our schedules are too busy to tell people about the love of God. Our traditions say, it can't happen this way. What are we saying today? Wake up, church. Wake up, church. This is such a beautiful message of hope that I hope is finding its way to your heart. And I hope it finds its way from your heart to even your head, to your hands. And we go out and we tell people the love of God this week. Show them. Explain it. Talk about it. Walk with people that are hurting. So as we get into this next point, uh, this this obviously This is another one of those things where I'm like, okay. Just socially, this is really awkward, what's happened in this parable. Have any of you experienced this? You know, the thing where you go to a party and you're like, oh, I want to sit there. That's the best seat, the most comfy. You sit down and someone comes up and says, no, that's for the surprise birthday guest. Or has anyone ever experienced something like this? I can see myself doing this because I'm socially awkward at times. You know, my face blushes and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've done this. But Jesus right here, this is called a, this is called a parable. And this parable, it's a parable for a reason. It has double meaning. What the first meaning is kind of like a bonus gift for us as humans. Like, hey, Don't be stupid. Don't do this in social settings. It's not smart, okay? But that's not the true meaning. I mean, the true meaning is so much deeper than this. And and that's good practical advice. But people at this time were jostling for position in the eyes of God. They they were saying, we we, we are the chosen people. We are the ones God has chosen. We are better trained. We're better looking. Like, we deserve to sit right next to God, right? Right? And and Jesus comes in and he says, listen, you guys are are getting this wrong. Because if you're an Israelite at this time, thousands of non-Jews have become Christians. And entered into the dinner party prepared by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And many Jewish Christians, as we know from Acts, had found it difficult, if not impossible, to To, uh, what is it, to understand or to approve these non-Jewish people. Because I'm an Israelite, I'm I'm chosen by God, because I'm following all the rules, that I'm good enough to sit by Jesus right here. Jesus walks in and he goes, this message is for everyone. It's for Jews, it's for Gentiles it's for those of you that are following the Mishnah, for those of you that are messing up on the Mishnah, which would be me every day, it's for, it's for those of you that help old grandmas across the street, and for, it's for those of you that speed up to try to hit old grandmas across the street. Like, this message is for you. It's for the world at large. Pride and lack of identity in Christ can kill us Christians. And do you think you're just that good? Like you deserve this salvation thing? That you just, that seat of honor is yours. Like, but God, I've memorized the 66 book in the Bible. It's like, I, not the whole books, but Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and others. I've got that. I've been to every VBS camp there is from the beginning. I, I, I've gone to missions. I've gone on missions. I've done so much in your name, like, God. And he's saying, listen, it's by grace that you've been saved. You haven't earned this. It's because of my love that I invite you to this table. So please, don't set yourself right next to Jesus and say, hey, God, like, I deserve this thing. Because then we belittle Jesus. And I serve a God that's powerful, more powerful than I can ever imagine. And the Bible talks pretty specifically about we should fear God. And we should smile knowing that he loves us, and knowing he's paid everything for us, and he's invited us to this table to sit right next to him. But it's not because we put ourselves next to him It's because he invites us to sit next to him. Pride of these Pharisees (laughs) caused a lot of embarrassment in their life. And a lack of knowing who Christ is to them caused a lot of childlike actions. So what does this mean to us? (laughs) There's a couple questions. They didn't fully understand who Christ was. If they fully understood who Christ was, their response, their actions, everything would have been completely different. And they did not understand who they were in Christ. And church, I think that's a big thing for us as we look through this passage. Do you understand who you are in Christ? If you understand who God is, you know how powerful and how mighty he is. You understand what he's done for us, and that is beautiful. But you can also walk around understanding everything about God, but not having a relationship with him. Your identity is not found in him. You can know everything there is to know about God, but if your identity is not found in Him, you're gonna walk around and your life is gonna be in like knee-jerk reactions and childish ways because you're not gonna feel secure in who you are and your schedule is gonna throw you out of control and it's gonna be impossible to understand who God is because your identity isn't found in Him and you're working and you're trying to earn your way to salvation and it's just tiring. I sat with a Muslim two weeks ago. He was taking me to the airport. Um, I went to the church project network meeting. All the pastors of the church projects came together, and it was, it was beautiful. For those of you that are going to be in our start class here in a, in a little while, I'll explain more about that. But this Muslim picked me up at 3 in the morning, took me to the airport, and all I wanted to do was sleep. But unfortunately, he wanted to talk, and I felt God was kind of prodding this conversation. <laughs> so we talked. For 20 minutes, I say we talked. He talked for 20 minutes. He said, "What do you do?" I said, "Well, I'm a pastor." And see that building? Boom! That's a church. You should probably go to it. And he goes, "Oh yeah. Guess what? I'm a Muslim." I was like, "Great. What, what do you believe?" I know what you believe somewhat, but tell me what you believe. And for the next 20 minutes, he talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. And I just I was praying, like God, just get, give me an opportunity right here to say something. just whenever, whatever's fine. Like, give me the word to say and what to say. And literally, as we're pulling into the airport, I have about two minutes. And I said, okay, Lor, that's his name. Cool name, L-O-R. I said, Lor, it's, it's my turn. I said, I've listened to you for 20 minutes talking. And, and um, all I hear out of your mouth is, I'm hoping I'm working so hard to someday hopefully achieve paradise. And, and I hope it happens. I'm working hard. I'm not just an animal. I'm, I'm being diligent. I'm working hard, Work." I heard this over and over and over again. And as we pulled in, you know, for him to drop me off, I just said, Laura, you've exhausted me, bud. Like, I'm exhausted. I said, that is a huge difference between Christianity and really any other religion in the world is Jesus has already paid the price. Like, we don't have to earn our way into heaven. All your works are exhausting me, and I bet they're exhausting you. And so, Laura, I pointed out the church that you should probably go look at because your religion is exhausting Christianity, we can smile knowing that Jesus has already paid the price and it's already done, and we're not working out of a slave mentality. We're working out of freedom. See, but a lot of us, we know everything about who God is, but these Pharisees, they didn't understand who they were in Christ. If you don't understand who you are in Christ, the world around you is not going to make sense. It's going to be knee-jerk reactions with childlike actions, like going and sitting in a seat you're not supposed to. I mean, it's just not going to make sense because you're operating out of a stance where you're trying to earn God's love, and he's already saying from the beginning, you got it. You got it. That's freedom. And this is the gospel message. This is love. If If we fully understand who Christ was and who we were in him, we would walk around smiling. And when we said, let me tell you about this gospel, good news message, because it's beautiful. So I pray for more. I pray that he goes to church project. I pray for the people of Greeley. I pray for some of my neighbors that we have these ongoing conversations. I pray that the Holy Spirit will move in their life, and I pray one day we'll see them here. And if not here... I pray some church somewhere in Greedy will see them and they'll be introduced into the love of Jesus Christ. And I will find it a great honor to be used by God to explain this message to a people that are hopeless. So we look at these two passages, the first one, just one through six. We're being watched. Jesus was being watched. And I'm okay with that. So the question is is our our life lining up with that? Are we fully alive in Christ? Our actions, our thoughts, everything. And then we look at 7 through 11. Are you finding your identity and who Jesus is? Are you coming fully alive in Him? If not, our actions may resemble those of a third grader. Pretty embarrassing, huh? Here's one of the beautiful things about Church Project. One is, I mean, I, I, I touched on maybe one one-hundredth of these verses right here. Um, there's so much more to talk about in here. There's so much more. One of the beautiful things about Church Project is the way we've set it up is, guess what? House Church this week. House Church, this week, last week, you're going to talk through this. You're going to walk through this. Some of you, I know, talked about this passage last Friday and said some things where I'm like, that's awesome. That's brilliant. There's no way that one person can articulate what God's doing in these verses. What's God showing you in these verses? One of the things that we hope that we're imparting into you as the ecclesia of Jesus Christ is that you're getting so hungry for the Word of God is that you're going to go and you're going to continue to read these verses and these passages you're going to say, God, show me more about this because what you said in this verse or this word, it just brings me alive like church. Here's the deal. Grab your Bible. Read it. Understand it. Love it. Fall in love with it because God loves you and he loves the world around you. And I want to be able to articulate that love as, as accurately as I can and as passionately as I can. All right, here's, your dare. here's the dare for you today and then I'll just kind of wrap this up. I got an illustration. Is that okay? So, some of you know that I wash windows. I a very good window washer. If you're in the front row, you're gonna get wet. I didn't bring my tool belt either. It usually goes right there. It's really sexy looking. <laughs> you can see. I can see my reflection in the glass. And I'm like, you're good looking. <laughs> That's terrible. So, I've been washing windows, especially for this one company, which I won't say, for, for three years now. And, um, I mean, every week I go, I want to drip it right on you. Is it, is it wet? I mean, you go and, and you, you soak your window and, you know, do all this thing, and, you know, get, get strong muscles. And then you, then you take this and take it off and put this on squeegee and you go up however high and you know you do this wonderful thing and it's, it's kind of cool. Kids think you're like awesome. Uh, adults think that you're a loser but <laughs> <laughs> window washer wow impressive. Eh? <laughs> but kids man you can do this thing like this and you can tap on the glass and- you know, and then at one time I licked the window, and they did. It was really awkward. <laughs> but I've been, I've been washing windows for, for, for three years now, and it's been a huge, huge blessing to wash windows um, when I have the right perspective. Sometimes I have the wrong perspective, and I'm like, here's stupid window I'm, I'm tired. And then I get paid, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's kind of nice. Thank you. You know, God, you're providing for our family. Thank you for this. This is awesome. But you know what? Even that's the worst perspective. That's bad compared to the perspective that I've been experiencing lately. And I've spent this one company, I've been doing this for three years. I don't know how many times I've been doing this or how many thousands of windows. But I've also, uh, that this is just superficial. Because what's been happening inside the restaurant that no one sees is I know managers. And I know managers' names. And I know which managers are about to go through divorce. And when one manager quits and goes to another store, I've known that as well. And I hear it a lot as I'm a window washer. People are like, you're hey, just a window washer. So I hear all their life drama. They, most of them don't even know that I'm a pastor of a church. And I've got to tell you, recently, it's kind of been getting around that the window washer guy is a pastor of a church. And you cannot understand the conversations that are being had. Like when I get my window wet, I only have a certain amount of time to get it dry but that manager may come up at that point and want to start talking, or that person may want to come up and start talking. And I'm like, but... <laughs> this is just a stupid tool to tell people the love of God. Show people the love of God. To let that window dry. I can come back and get that later. If this is how we live our lives, if everything begs and asks the question, how do I glorify God in my relationship to and the washing, to whatever, wherever, if we find our identity in who Jesus Christ is, everything is an opportunity to show people the love of God. I'm excited, church, because God is doing some really cool things here. But here's your dare: find out who God is today. How are you made in Him? And and, and I and I dare you: try to sit on your behind this week, doing nothing. After you know who God is and who you're created to be in Him and your gifting and your skills, try to to not do those things. How is it going to turn out for you? It's not going to turn out very well. Because we've all been gifted to be a part of the ecclesia. We've all been gifted to, to show people the love of God in this world. And if we sit on that and we don't do anything about that, we become fat. We become lazy, discontent. And we become angry because why? We're not acting in what God has given us. We're not showing the love of God to the world around us. I'm excited to see what God's doing here. We we have more people I've heard about that want to be baptized. Incredible. And that's awesome. We have a start class right after um, our gathering here. And Brittany went to get us Qdoba. I'm so excited about that. If you weren't signed up for it, you can still stay because what what are we going to talk about? We're going to be talking about why are we here? Why is Church Project here? What do we believe? What is God doing here? I mean, just look around. God is bringing more people here, and I'm so excited to see what God's going to do with Church Project. And I'm more excited to see what God's going to do in your life as we individually find our identity in Jesus Christ. This is an awesome message. May we say no to the temporal, meaningless stuff. and May we say yes to the eternal things. May window washing, may whatever it, it, we have going on in our life, beg to ask the question, how can Jesus use this? Church, let's reflect on this. I'm going to ask Jeremy to come up and April to fix your music. Sorry. This is the part that I pray for, and I tell you, I pray for this the most out of, out of everything on the weekend, because I believe God can speak to each and every one of you. I just used a lot of words, some of which may have meant something. Some of you may have been like, he's dyslexic and didn't follow any of it. I don't care. Jesus can speak to your heart at this point right here. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, can, can we close our eyes? If you're comfortable with it, can you just hold your hands out? Say, God, here's my life. Here's everything I'm struggling through, who I am, anything. Here I am, God. Would you show me who you are? These things that I'm struggling through, these things I'm contemplating, thinking, what I'm feeling. God, I I want to know who you are. So, God, I receive you today. This anxiety that's in my life, I give it to you things I'm worried about, I give them to you. The things I'm thinking about, I give them to you. What I'm feeling, I give them to you. God, please let me find my identity in you today.